2: It's Rick Tittle!
3: All right, thank you for that, and welcome to another live edition of Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. How you doing? You doing all right? Huh? I asked you a question. All right, whatever. 1-800-878-PLAY. Everything in here is still broken, but I guess it's not completely broken because you can hear me, right? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Remember that dude switched Teams guy with the... Flat top and the glasses. I think he was Verizon or Sprint, and then he got fired. And the the other people were like, "What? What if we? What if we hire him?" And the whole thing is like, "Yeah, I used to be with Verizon, and now I'm with Sprint, or vice versa." And my old those old people sucked. <laughs> All right, I do have a show here. <clears throat> I have a, um, a filmmaker coming up. Uh, In about 15 minutes, I have uh, Salesport Talk, as I always do at 940 on a Tuesday. I have actor-singer Carlos Peña Vega and uh, actress Alexa Peña Vega. Uh, When they married, they combined their last names. I have Adam Napier, a disabled vet playing in the Tahoe Golf Tourney. We're going to talk a little uh, baseball with ATN. We also have uh, actress Portia. we we'll to get a pronunciation on that last name, Dom. Shalilin? Shalene? We'll see what it is. But she's got a new movie as well. How about you? How was your fourth? My fourth what? My fourth hamburger? Maybe you did have four hamburgers. This is what this country was founded upon. The right to eat as many hamburgers as you want. That's right one 800 Let's talk about it. Big shout out to our troops, especially uh, on a day in which uh, we have the uh, 4th of July. Yeah, that's right. Keeping us safe. You stay safe. Come
4: home soon. Let's do a show. Welcome to the Everyday Hotel. You'll be on the second floor and your other room will be on the 14th.
5: Wait, we asked for connecting rooms? These are 12 floors apart.
6: We tried, ma'am, but technically they're only 11 floors apart. We don't have a 13th floor.
5: (laughs) We can't be 11 floors away from our kids. I don't see a problem. Stuart!
7: When you want separate rooms, but not that separate, it matters where you stay. Only
4: Hilton offers confirmed connecting rooms at the time of booking. Hilton, for the stay.
7: Call Rate Genius now.
1: 800 811 7913. 800 811 7913. 800 811 7913. That's 800 811
8: 7913. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness value of the vehicle loan term and other factors. If
9: this were a Reese's TV ad, you'd be staring at a Reese's peanut butter cup. And sure, my voice is peanut buttery smooth, but still, you need to see the peanut butter cups, right? No? I can really just say Reese's and you'll go get some? Okay. Reese's. 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 Really working, actually. Reese's. Reese's. this I'm on to something. Reese's. 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 Reese's.
3: All right, Rick Tittle with you uh, on Twitch.tv as well with this uh, camera right up in my face. Girl, get out my face. one 800 play We have open lines here if you want to uh, get in and get heard wherever you might happen to be. <clears throat> uh, as I said, I hope you had a good 4th of July wherever you might happen to be. Maybe you worked. It's actually kind of weird for me not to work on the 4th of July, which I did for basically ugh, over 20 years because it's a fourth, it's a baseball tradition. And I was working uh, either broadcasting A's and Giants games or doing pre and post for an A's game. <clears throat> it's usually my day uh, to do it. And um, although the Giants didn't play on the 4th of July a couple of years ago, I think for their first time ever, but um One of the things that make, um, you know, it's every day, like, you know, we open the the paper, the internet, the phone, I guess, is where most of us see our news, and no matter what you think of gun control, and I'm not here to make an argument for gun control one way or the other, that's not why you're listening to me, but, you know, horrific shooting near Chicago, just people trying to have a parade, and just rooftop sniper, I mean, it's just, it's, um, it's horrific. So you, you try to glean what you can from the day that's good, you know, as we become numb to our national disease, you know, they used to call that the English disease was hooliganism. And unfortunately we know what the American disease is, but they always say in baseball, every time you go to the park, you might see something you've never seen before, And usually catchphrases are completely wrong, like defense wins championships, or pitch good pitching will always beat good hitting, or you know once a cheater always a cheater. I mean, like people can't change. It just they're catchphrases, right? And there's a reason for them because they're usually right. But <laughs> I found more often than not <clears throat> because I have watched a million baseball games. As I said, I've worked baseball games for close to 30 years, meaning watching every single pitch, and for eight and a half of those years making a note about every at-bat, that you do see a lot of stuff you've never seen before. And such was the case yesterday on the 4th of July on the south side of Chicago at New Comiskey, or Guaranteed Rate Field, where they saw something that had never happened in the history of Major League Baseball. Instead of spikes, a guy wore some Dutch clogs on the mound. What? Oh, not that. No, we had the first 8-5 triple play in Major League history. That's right, center fielder, third baseman. Now, we've had some unassisted triple plays before. I remember Cleet Boyer did it at third. I remember Randy Velarde did it at second. That's basically a a boneheaded call of a hit and run with guys on first and second and no outs. The batter lines to the second baseman. He touches second. The other guy has committed and he tags him out and you got the unassisted triple play. Remember Ernie Young one time caught a ball, ran all the way to second. I mean, it happens now and then, but we've never had eight, five, the first of a kind triple play. And You could say instead of it happening, the White Sox ran into it. Let me set the stage. A.J. Pollock hit a really nice shot with no outs, runners on first and second, to Byron Buxton at center field, who made a great play, tracked it down. Johan Moncada and Adam Engel both had a bit of a mental lapse on the bases. So Buxton's catch is the first out. The, the runners are going because they know it's off the wall. They know Buxton can't get it. Well, they were wrong because he did. <clears throat> but, okay, Buxton's catch is the first out. The second out is Gio Ursula tagging Moncada, who was the runner at first when the play began. And the third out is Ursula stepping on second base to double off Engel. Engel was already crossing home plate at the time. And the triple play will be the headliner, but you really have to appreciate Buxton's catch and the old stat cast, which says, you know, the percentages of what, if it would be a hit or not. And it was an 82% hit probability at launch angle and exit velocity. But, you know, there's a reason Buxton was at the top of his draft. He's a, you know, platinum glove player. He's just that good. And Engel said, he never caught it. And they said, yeah, he did. And they like, he did. He said, well, <laughs> when he looked towards the wall, I thought he was looking for the ball to go down. I just made a bad play, made a mistake on it. Unfortunate. It cost us some runs right there, most likely, and probably would have gone on to win the game. And so, yes, they, MLB.com looked into it. And then, of course, Saber. Looked into it, and it is indeed the first ever eight-five triple play uh, in baseball history. This is the 27th triple play <clears throat> started by a center fielder, and the first one in 12 years when Matt center fielder Angel Pagan started an eight-two-six-three triple play after making a shoestring catch against the Nats in 2010. And remember, he said, "Don't call me on hell. My name is Angel." Okay, so the Twins have made a bit of a habit. (laughs) Can you call it a habit of turning triple plays? Because that was their fourth in the last three years. No team is even close to that. But the White Sox have hit into back-to-back triple plays uh, season-wise. Once this year, obviously, and once last year. This is the third triple play of the season. The Rangers turned a 3-6 triple play against the Mariners on April 20th, and the Nationals turned a 4-5-3 triple play against the Brewers on May 20th. But <clears throat> the thing I love about baseball that I'm sure even with the Internet and everything else you got going on in this world, you can look it up rather quickly. The fact that over 100 years of professional baseball we can look that up. And I mean, the general public can find that out pretty quickly. Now, they needed MLB.com and Sabre, but they have access to the same information we do. Uh, also, the Fourth of July hats were brutal. <laughs> and I know they're trying to sell them. Uh, you know, as I came up with a thing <clears throat> a few years ago saying that, geez, there's six hats. And then I was like, oh no, there's eight hats. And I was like, no, there's nine hats. I mean, they will try to sell you as many hats as they can. Now, obviously, you have a BP hat, you have a home hat, you have an away hat, you have a third hat, you have a spring training hat, which used to be the BP hat. Now it's different. Then Mother's Day, Father's Day, Veterans Day, Memorial Day, different camo on those two days. The Father's Day one is weird. It's light blue, like baby blue, like all the dads are babies, which is kind of funny. But anyway, not to I'm not here to point the focus on something horrific, uh, like that shooting, which, as I said, unfortunately, um, is just every single psycho in this country is just bright eyed and bushy tailed. Ooh, now I'm going to be the next one. I'm going to be the next one. Yeah. It's horrific. And I don't have any answers and I'm not telling you which way to vote. Like I say, I don't have any answers, but I do want to point out that Two teams who I don't care about. In fact, two teams that I don't like: the Twins and the White Sox, because they used to be in the AL West. I don't like either of those teams. But just on the Fourth of July, we got a triple play that we've never had in the history of baseball, and that at least puts a smile on my face for five minutes. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back on Sports Violin.
11: In der Ich lieb dich nun mal. Berg, jedes Tag. Du mein schönes
5: No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror? How would you like to learn the secrets to lose three to five pounds a week easily? If you're ready to start losing weight right now, call right now to learn more about your risk free order to Body Sculpt.
1: Call for your risk free offer. 800 738 5332. 800 738 5332. 800 738 5332. That's 800 738 5332.
7: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: All right. I have that effect on people. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and also around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to this show filmmaker Lawton Yaney. He's here to talk about a new movie which he has written and executive produced. It's called Hyde Park. It'll be available on the 14th of this month from the L10 group. Lawton, welcome to the show. When I think Hyde Park, I, I think uh, London. I think a lot of people can take different views. Where did you come up with the title?
13: Well, I live in Chicago, and we also have a Hyde Park, but I love Hyde Park London, too, as well.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell us a little bit about the plot, please.
13: Yeah, so well, Hyde Park is um, it's just a, a neighborhood on the south side of Chicago. Uh, President Obama actually lives in Hyde Park, but uh, basically it's just a diverse neighborhood that has a lot of people from all over the world living there, and uh, this specific, the reason why we, we chose that is because the specific attorney that, that we're featuring in the film, him and his family have immigrated from Nigeria and then live in Hyde Park, so uh, we kind of thought that they might take on the Hyde Park, um, excuse that, of course my phone is dingy, um, take you know, the diverse aspect will kind of take on the the vibe of Hyde Park, but there still some traditions that they're holding on to from Nigeria, even though they live in this diverse uh, uh, country and diverse neighborhood.
3: That's the thing, too, about how diverse our country is. We have, sometimes get these clash of cultures from Western, Judeo-Christian, from, you know, old-school thinking, and, and a lot of people with the best intentions can sometimes have these Uh, traditions that seem uh, weird, quote-unquote, to the the mainstream. And what about uh, staying true to those and also being fluid enough to adjust?
13: Exactly. That's the point. It's like there are certain pieces of your tradition, no matter where you come from, that is good to hold on to. Obviously, family values, making sure you, you take care of your elders. Those are the things that we want to continue to hold on to. But there are certain aspects of our culture that say, Love can only be done or love can only be recognized when it's between, um, somebody from your background, somebody from your culture, somebody from your tribe. And those are where we need to kind of maneuver a little bit. Um, even, um, color, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like a black person may not be able to marry a white person. I mean, in certain, in certain regions, that is still, that still holds true. So we want to kind of, you know, adjust and modify those traditions that don't necessarily benefit us.
3: Too much. Right. So the main protagonist, David, he's a lawyer, Nigerian-American, and he's trying to save his client, Eric, from being deported uh, back uh, to Nigeria. And then Eric... Uganda. Uh, Uganda, so the, sorry. Yeah. 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 And uh, his, his client is uh, also gay. So we know, you know, we've all uh, heard from people about how hard it is to come out as an American. How hard is it to come out uh, uh, as a Ugandan?
13: Yeah, that's the tough thing. So in in 2014, Uganda uh, passed an anti-homosexual act. It was literally called Kill the Gays Bill. And in some, yeah, some countries in Africa, again, you know, some countries in Africa do, they can jail you for being homosexual, you can be prosecuted, you can be put to death, you know, so now there is a shift towards at least freedom, allowing people to live, right? Um, But... You know, Uganda was just the country that we that I picked because I knew of that law that was overturned uh, later on. But, we, you know, that's the law that we are using and trying to hopefully protect the client from uh, being uh, deported to, to Uganda.
3: Now, also, as another uh, subplot, the character uh, David, his father or his mother wants him to be with a traditional Nigerian woman, not with an American girlfriend. So what about that dynamic?
13: Yeah, it's tough. So, you know, when you see black people in America, right? All you see is just black. But there's so many layers to us um and and you just never know somebody's pure uh, background. And so one of the areas is again is love, is these romantic relationships in the Nigerian culture. I mean, Nigeria's such a populous country. It's over over 250 million people and a lot of different uh uh, uh tribes and, and and people that, you know, so they tend to stick to their to people from their region. So if you're evil, you want to marry an evil person. If you're from Yoruba, you want to marry a Yoruba tribe person. So the thing with David is he's an only child. He's a male. So he has to keep his family's name, uh, 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 you know, keep his family's legacy. And to come to America and marry a black American woman that doesn't necessarily hold you know, hold that well or stand up that well back home to keep his his family uh, name and children uh, uh, legacies um, so yeah, so that's the challenge that we kind of show is like, you know, it's although we all look the same, there's still some challenges when we're trying to uh, be, have these types of relationships, these types of love relationships. So yeah, it's, it's 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 quite interesting actually. The mom is, <laughs> is funny in the film, even though she has these tough stances. Uh, it's quite it's kind of comedic to see how she uh, is completely. Um, what is it called? Like always on him about who he can marry and so on and so forth. So it it, it, it becomes quite comedic, in a sense.
3: No doubt. And you know when you uh, write uh, a movie and then also you know executive produce, it's it's hard enough to have that responsibility. But now you have this sort of a social, social message. So how do you want to? You you don't want to preach to your audience, but you also exactly. want, but you also want them to feel free to to see what your point is. Is that a hard line to walk sometimes?
13: It's exceptionally hard. And so each word in this script was crafted. Hmm. Because, well, you know, I mean, even the scene between Eric and his partner, um, there is, you know, Africans and, and some people are not open to the LGBTQ community, obviously. but we still would like to have them participate in the film. So we were really careful about what we can show and what we can't show, you know, unfortunately to still kind of really pull them in but not push them away, you know. So it is, it's is—it's a thin line, and, and, and I know that the crew was probably annoyed with me with, no, you can't say it like this, you have to do it exactly <laughs> like this, is because it has to be crafted perfectly. And I'm so proud because my mother, so I'm, I'm originally from West Africa, by the way, so I'm not just talking about this for, uh, just because it's, it's uh, you know, just mm-hmm. for fun. But uh, my family, my mother has watched the film. She was completely involved in the writing process. So, you know, she's okay with this. She's from Liberia. She's actually here living with me now. Uh, my father hasn't seen it yet. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, but I feel like we hit the right tone and, uh, and get brought enough human um, emotion to it uh, so you can kind of step outside of your traditions and really just focus on this human story.
3: Wow, that's amazing. And yeah, when you said West Africa, I immediately thought of Cote d'Ivoire, but uh, Mm -hmm. Liberia, Monrovia, is that your heritage?
13: Yeah, I'm originally from Liberia. I was born in Liberia. Hmm. Uh, My grandfather is Ghanaian, so I I claimed Ghana and Liberia. Mm -hmm. But I immigrated from uh, Liberia to Portland, Oregon, when I first came to the States, Hmm. and now I live in Chicago.
3: Yeah, you know, you're, it's so true. How I mean, it's just like you know, you can't just say, oh, well, they're just African. I mean, I know Cote d'Ivoire and, and Ghana and Liberia; they all they all border each other, but you're talking about three completely different countries. And of course, in the Ivory Coast, they speak French, and so it's just exactly. it's completely different.
13: Exactly, and so that's the tough thing. Like, like so, one of the challenges, and I and I hope you allow me to say this uh, on the film. Everybody was like, well, why wouldn't since you're a Liberian watching? Why wouldn't the mother, uh, the character, David, be from Liberia? And I said, first of all, Liberia is a small country, 4 million people. We don't care who you marry, right? I mean, we're like, just get with somebody, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so we're not that stickler about you have to be with somebody from your tribe. If that's the case, I have 14,000 men to choose from for my child, for my and that's not going to work, you know what I'm saying? So, but Nigeria, on the other hand, because it's so populous, and because their, their tribes and traditions are unique um, for each of those, you for some of their regions, it's very important to those people. And it's respected, and, and, and we understand why. But once you shift, once you come to America and try to, you know, kind of adjust to the culture here, that's some of the traditions where you got to be a little bit more open and flexible when it comes to love. And sometimes you don't even have a choice in that, you know. So we're allowing people to say, choose, you know, who you love, even with, the, with David and his is love, being a, a black American woman, as an example.
3: By the way, I'm a soccer fan, huge fan of George Weah back in the day. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and now his son, Tim I... plays, his son Tim plays for America now.
13: Yeah, I know. It's so crazy. It's like, every, no matter what country I go to, I was in Germany um, uh, Germany about two years ago, actually before the pandemic, and the taxi driver, I said, I'm from Liberia, and he's like, George Weah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Well, yeah, George is uh, a real pride for our country. As a soccer player, I will just
3: kind of keep it at that. Yeah, well, didn't he run for president, too?
13: He is president Oh, he is? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, he's president
3: of Liberia right now. Uh, Good stuff. All right, yeah, for people who don't know, he won the Ballon d'Or. He was the best player uh, in the world at one point. All right, we have been speaking with Latanyani, the new film Hyde Park, of which she has written and executive produced. It is out on July 14th from the L10 Group, and um, it's going to be marketed in Atlanta, Houston, Indianapolis, and other cities, and to get a wider release. Lawton, thank you so much for coming on, and congratulations on the film.
11: Thank you, Rick.
13: Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. All right.
3: Thank you. No doubt All about right. it. Yeah. I always think it's cool when you can write something and then get it on the big screen. That's got to be absolutely surreal. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come on back. We'll talk a little sailing, as we always do at 940 on sports
14: This is Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk, and I'm here in studio with Charlie Deist. He is a volunteer for the San Francisco Sailing Science Center. Charlie, tell us a little bit about what fascinates you about sailing and science and why you volunteer.
6: Well, first it was the sailing. Uh, the science was the area that I felt like I had the most room for improvement. I'm a, a media guy myself. Uh, I've been producing radio and podcasts for several years. So when I met Jim, I saw two opportunities. One was to use some of my skills in that department, uh, but also to bolster some of my, my own knowledge and, and resources around the, the science of this activity that I've come to, to really love as my, my primary hobby and, and also an avocation.
14: Jim, you're referring to is James Hancock, who's the founder of the San Francisco Sailing Science Center. Tell me a little bit about your own sailing experience. I know you have a couple of boats. You're out there on the water a lot. You teach. You sail. You just really enjoy the water. What is it about the nature and the physics of nature that really fascinates you the most when you're in the sailor role?
6: Well, I was a beginner not too long ago. About 10 years ago, in my early 20s, I started sailing. And as most beginners to the sport of sailing, I had my fair share of missteps. And I was humbled by San Francisco Bay more than a few times But eventually with practice and uh, just taking every opportunity that I could to get out on my own boats, on other people's boats, I I started to get my bearings. And you get this sort of intuitive sense of how the waves and the wind interact. But having a scientific understanding of it, I think just kind of takes it to the next level. Uh, The day that I uh, first met Jim and learned about the Sailing Science Center, I had sailed over from Berkeley on my Columbia 24 to the St. Francis Yacht Club, which hosts their Wednesday yachting luncheons. I think, that that was a you know a typical summer day in San Francisco, so winds blowing twenty knots or so. Fortunately I think that it was flooding at the time when, when the westerly winds clash with the with the ebb tide, it can lead to a, a a pretty nasty surf there. But but it was it was a good day for sailing and it turned out to be a, a good day for, for my own kind of personal development.
14: Well, and for those who know anything about the moon and tides, we have a flood and an ebb twice a day. Floods coming through the Golden Gate, right there in St. Francis Yacht Club.
6: It's kind of a funny balance because the the flood, on the one hand, it's uh, it, it creates better conditions uh, when combined with the westerly winds. Although, if you're trying to get from Berkeley heading east toward uh, against the flood, basically it slows you down. So there's all these trade offs. And learning to sort of sync up with the tides and currents, I think, has also been uh, almost a spiritual thing for me. It's a way to connect to nature on a level that most people just aren't used to thinking about.
14: I really appreciate you coming and sharing your story with us and hope to have you back, Charlie. Thank you so much. This is Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk.
3: All right, crisscross applesauce. Welcome back to Sports Byline USA, Tuesday at 940, our time, that's San Francisco. We check in with Karen Lyle from salesporttalk.com, and she has always an eclectic group of guests. Uh, Today, it's just Karen and myself, as Karen is, uh, Karen, are you en route, or are you already in the British Virgin Islands?
15: Well, I will be en route tonight. I'm doing a red-eye flight, so I'm still here in the San Francisco
3: Bay Area, but I just got back
15: from the New York Yacht Club, as a matter of fact, in that model room, and I took some pictures. Oh, I'm not supposed to say that. I, I wasn't supposed to take any pictures. No, I didn't take pictures.
3: Did they really <laughs> They really say no pictures?
15: Yes, you can't take pictures inside. Wow. You have to, you know, it's, it's, the thing about private clubs is that they're private, and so when people come in, um, you know, and bring guests and so forth. Who's there and what happens is really, you know, what happens stays there and you don't you don't talk about it outside uh, the club. It sounds so like Las you Vegas. <laughs> you know, there might be some similarities, but I think the environment might be a little different.
3: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, right there on 44th Midtown, it's an amazing building. It's over 100 years old.
15: Yeah, they're doing some... Um, some renovation on the outside of the building, so they have scaffolding out Ah, yeah. yeah, I know. So, but the inside is is truly gorgeous, and and um, you know, it's it's got a great deal of history. I was actually there doing research in their private library, um, uh, uh, in their chart that they had about Fire Island and um, and this um and Sam Green, who was uh, the uh, a good friend of John and Yoko. Uh, John Lennon and Yoko Yoko Ono, because of a piano that they owned. And so, you know, it just happened to be the reason I was there at that time. But it was pretty cool.
3: Well, when you think about where you're going, it was once, you know, they called it the Danish West Indies. And, I mean, Christopher Columbus, this is basically what he saw, and it was Santa Ursula y las once mil virgenes. you know, St. Ursula and the 11,000 Virgins. I guess saying Virgin Islands is a bit shorter, but... What are you going to do down there?
15: Well, I'll be on a catamaran for a month. And I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to call in and collect stories. You know, as I've been, this is my ninth year of going to the British Virgin Islands. And um, really, it is my vacation. It's my my time off. It's what I like to do when I'm on vacation is to go on a boat out in the middle of the British Virgin Islands where the temperature is... Somewhere around seventy to eighty degrees, and the water's warm, and I can see all the way down at least thirty feet when I go in snorkeling. And so we have different guests. There's two trips. We're actually taking out the boat for ten days, and then staying in a hotel, and then another ten days. So um, we have um, guests who will be with us each time, different group.
11: Well, so we know that. What
15: kind of questions? Mm-hmm. What kind of questions do you have for me if I'm going to call in and bring you stories from the BBI? What interests you?
3: Well, obviously, you, when you're on an assignment like that, you're going to, uh, you know, paint a picture of, of what you're seeing, you know. And you think about, I think, the colonial history uh, as well, the European influence, the African influence. Um, but I also know, as you said, you've been going many years. Hurricane Irma, Hurricane Maria really devastated that, that place. Did you see the destruction?
15: I did, and it was a very interesting um, experience because I was there the year before, I mean, a few months before Irma, and then I came the year after, and um, and yes, there was the devastation on land and also underneath in the in the, in the coral, because I had been to these places throughout the, the Virgin Islands, like Cooper Island and. Um, and uh, you know, in in uh, Virgin Gorda and other places that are all these islands scattered along the St. Francis Church Channel, I've been under the water as much as I've been on top of the water. And what really amazed me was the resilience of life, and I mean the resilience of human life, because people had had the roofs of their houses blown off and they were still living in them, and while things were being rebuilt and. Uh, in the life underneath, you could still see the baby fishes and all the same species of fishes there. The, the massive coral structures were gone, but you could see, like, the brain coral that goes over the rock, you know, you could see it starting to grow again. And so um, it, it was just, I, I think it was inspiring to me. I mean, it was a loss, what had been lost, but it was inspiring to me to see how life just continues to grow and evolve and adapt to these these, um, you know, these uh, things that are cataclysmic for, 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 the, for the area.
3: What is, um, by the way, speaking with Karen Lyle on our way to the British Virgin Islands, salesporttalk.com. All right, you're on a catamaran for a month. Now, what does that entail? Um, are you sleeping on it? How many days are you ashore? What's the itinerary then? Well,
15: so we arrive by ferry from St. Thomas. Um, which is the U.S. Virgin Islands, and then we go stock our boat. So our boat is uh, at a marina when we when we arrive, and we basically go down to the local grocery store. And those of us who are going to be on the boat go shopping. So we just get like two or three shopping carts, and we each go out and buy food to get us through the time that we're going to be on the boat. Um, knowing that we're going to have some restaurants and, and sometimes on land, but we're pretty much living on the boat. The, and, and we each have, there's, you know, everybody has a cabin. Um, it's a really nice living space. So, you know, in a catamaran, you've got um, you got a lot of space. Do you and, do you um, know that,
3: Do you know these people that you're you're with? I mean, it's going to because Oh,
15: always. Oh, I'll okay. Because
3: it be cramped I, cramped quarters I, 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 I
15: personally, I personally would never spend. Ten days model with someone that I hadn't sailed with and that I didn't know—it just uh, would not be for me personally. I I wouldn't do that. <laughs> it's my vacation. I want to make sure I have a good time.
3: <laughs> right. So how do you make that work then, with uh, you know, uh, not getting on each other's nerves nonstop, cabin fever, well, so all, to speak?
15: You're in this absolutely amazing. Environment because the British Virgin Islands is beautiful, and the reason why I keep going back there is because there are consistent winds. You're always going to have a wind to sail with, so you're not having to motor everywhere, everywhere. Um, and and um, you you have um, you know this beautiful clear water with you know you, you can you can dive a, a wreck, you know which I have done, uh, as well as um, being able to snorkel and see all the the, the, the life underneath the water. And, um, you know, usually we're, we're on an itinerary of what are we going to do tomorrow, not, not being decided until the night before. So it's it's kind of, you know, any place you go, where the wind blows, it really is literally, literally that.
3: So you go to, do you say uh, Tortola or Tortola, the main town there?
15: Tortola. Tortola. So that's usually where we start. And... It's quite a big island, and it has quite a few harbors around it, so we will, we will come back to it on our trip. But usually we will, we'll take off from Tortola and go across the way to Norman Island. And what we're doing is we're catching a mooring ball. So in a the catamaran, there's basically two of us up at the bow and one at the, one at the helm, and we have to thread this, um, this line through um, a hook, you know, a little eye, That you you attach with a hook, and and then your boat is attached. You you tie it off to your boat, and it's attached to this mooring ball. If you're not actually going into a marina, most of the time it's on a mooring ball. You know, all the tenders that you're out there when you're there, and um, then once you're on the mooring ball, your your boat is safe. You, you know, I usually will just hop in the water because it's great, and I'll go dive the 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 more involved, and make sure it's securely anchored it in the bottom, and the boat's not, and it's not, it's not going to come loose, and the boat's not going to go floating off into some other boat, <laughs> or the shore, or something like that. But um, what was the question again? <laughs> I got lost in the detail. <laughs> well,
3: when I when I hear catamaran, I just think of dual hull with a sail in the middle. Like, how many people? How many hands on deck? And then, what's the uh, you know, what's it like underneath? How much room do you have to move around?
15: Well, um, you know, a, a cabin is, is quite generous. So um, in the cabin that I will be in, you know, I have a desk. I have, I have a head. We call it a head. It's the it's mm-hmm. bathroom. And, um, and a bed that's usually, you know, double or queen size. Um, you know, plenty of headroom so you can stand up and walk around. And so the halls are usually where the living spaces are. And then the space between the halls um, is there's there's a, like a living room and a galley and you know the galley is the equivalent of what we call the kitchen, and, and, it, and it's a generous space. And then on top of the catamaran, there is places that you can lie around under the sun while you're traveling, or you know it's depending upon the conditions. And the conditions are really quite balmy. It's not it's not like um, it's not like adventure, sailing. This is really more relaxed, you know, where the breeze is enough to propel the boat and, and give you a good time, but it's not, it's not, um, it's not dangerous. I mean, even, you know, even when we have, um, what do you call it, um, squalls that we go through, which, which we usually have a few squalls on every trip, it's, um, it's, it's more fun that you're worried about your safety. You know, you have to you have to take the safety precautions of course.
3: What what one thing are you most looking forward to on this trip? What destination?
15: Boat. <laughs>
3: <laughs> boat.
15: I mean, I mean, the destination is boat. There's there's no question about that. Oh you know, I like going back over the places I've been before and kind of watching Watching the coral grow, you know, it's happened. And I haven't been. Last year we went to the U.S. Virgin Islands. If you recall I, I called you from there. Yeah. Which um, because of the quarantine, I just didn't want to go through the, the quarantine for BVI. But um, so it's been since 2019 um, that I since I've been to the to these islands. So that means that there's been you know almost a three year gap. So I'm going to see how much coral grows, and what's happened with the fish life. I mean, the people, they're, they're, they're so similar. Every time you go, um, you know, I see people that I know, but the culture is very old. And um, those who are, they're called belongers, you know, those who are natives to the indigenous people to the islands, they're just delightful people. And I, I certainly enjoy um, on my on shore spending time with them.
3: All right, well, have a good trip, and we'll talk to you next time from the wilds of the Caribbean, huh?
15: Okay, we'll do. I'll bring you stories.
3: (laughs) All right, good stuff. Uh, That's everybody. uh, That's uh, Karen Lyle from salesporttalk.com. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back.
1: That's 800-760-1845.
17: Listen up, guys. Are you experiencing any of the following? Fatigue, less drive, poor performance? If so, you may be one of the nearly 30 million men in the U.S. today dealing with ED. But did you know you don't have to pay hundreds for a prescription anymore? Call today and ask about our buy one, get one free offer.
1: 800-761-9334. 800-761-9334. 800-761-9334. That's 800-761-9334.
18: You spent over a decade in the Middle East, and I just wanted to say that I'm a great fan of your work. Well, thank you I, very I, much. I don't that. interrupt me, please. <laughs>
17: What's
11: You
7: must be crazy. use a D-O-G. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
3: This is what had happened. By the way, we got another two hours ago. Um, just thinking about, you know, the, the Virgin Islands that Christopher Columbus basically landed there first and named it after St. Ursula and the 11,000 Virgins. That is a story which is obviously fake. <laughs> it uh, was a story of a woman who was sent from one kingdom in England, and conundrum, and then sent to uh, Cologne in Germany on a ship with a thousand, with 11,000 other virgins. Uh, it was just not going to happen. Dymnomia, that's what it was. Dymnomia, that was that part which is basically now where Cornwall is. Penzance, all that, Land's End. <clears throat> and so she's a saint. But if you look at the hagiographers, and I always love that word, hagiographers, they write about hags? No, they write about saints. The Venerable Bede, Addo, Usward, Urbanus Maris. My favorite hagi... Anyway, none of, none of them mention Saint Ursula. <laughs> But my favorite hagiographer, and this is back before it was PC because this guy lived in the 800s, was Notker the Stammerer. (laughs) And uh, in this new millennium, we're still laughing at him. No, I feel bad. He was at St. Gall. Gall is an abbey um, in uh, Switzerland, and he was sort of the the leading literary scholar of the early Middle Ages. And. And even if you didn't call him Notker the Stammer, his name was Notker Balbulus. So you think Balbulus is a... Can I get a nickname? Yeah, the Stammerer. Oh. But he was born into a rich family, and I guess they just threw him in a cloister and made him a uh, a monk. But um, he was a guy that really put pen to paper, so to speak, as a Benedictine, and was a poet and a scholar, and they also think that he composed music uh, as well. Um, But, uh, yeah, if you would like to, um, we can get into the hagiography of Notker the Stammerer for the next two hours. Sounds like a Rick Tittle show. I have no idea what he's talking about. Come on back.
11: My from the outside
19: to- USA Radio News with Tim Burke President Biden is paying tribute to four Army veterans of the Vietnam War. Biden awarding four medals of honor during a White House ceremony, he praised the honorees for acts of incredible, astonishing, and selfless heroism.
16: To the late Staff Sergeant Edward M. Kinesiro, Specialist 5 Dwight W. Birdwell, to Specialist 5 Dennis M. Fufuji, and to Major John Duffy, I'm proud to finally award our highest military recognition, the Medal of Honor, to each of you.
19: Confidence in United States institutions is falling. A new Gallup poll finding significant declines in 11 of 16 institutions that were in the survey. Confidence in the presidency is down 15 percentage points from a year ago. The U.S. Supreme
17: Court dropped 11 percentage points. USA Radio News. he's on meds too. Call 800-333-1750. 800-333-1750.
19: A dangerous heat wave will roast millions of Americans across the plains and Midwest this week. Parts of the central and southern plains, the mid-Mississippi Valley, and the mid-South will see highs in the upper 90s to low triple digits. Police have taken a person of interest into custody after at least six people were killed and more than two dozen were injured during a shooting at a 4th of July parade outside Chicago on Monday. President Biden says he will continue to combat gun violence. New York Republican Congressman Claudia Tinney says guns shouldn't be blamed. And so President
15: Biden just wants to keep talking about gun control because that's the knee-jerk reaction of the Mm -hmm. left. This isn't a guy who used to believe in that. But unfortunately, here we are. We need to deal with the issues of mental health. We've got to bring people back to understanding that when you commit a crime, you have to be held
19: accountable. That's not happening in New York. Law enforcement saying the male suspect may have left the scene in female clothes. USA Radio News. Sweden and Finland are another step closer to joining NATO. Members of the alliance signed accession protocols for the two countries Tuesday. Finland and Sweden both confirmed their willingness and ability to meet obligations and commitments of NATO membership. Two Philadelphia police officers are recovering after they were shot near a 4th of July celebration. It happened just before 10 p.m. near the Philadelphia Art Museum. Police Commissioner Danielle Outlaw saying it's too early to tell if the shots were intentional or celebratory gunfire. President Joe Biden is reportedly considering lifting Trump administration tariffs against Chinese products. Appearing on Fox and Friends, Arkansas Republican Senator Tom Cotton says once again he believes that president biden is
8: taking it easy on china for decades he has not seen china as a threat and now as you point out china is leading the world and producing so-called green technology you know solar panels made with slave labor because of their unfair trade practices and joe biden and the democrats want to accelerate our dependence on Chinese sources of energy. By contrast, we're the world's largest producer of fossil fuels, and China is a net importer of them, so they want to give away yet another point of key leverage in our competition with China. But it gets back to the the foolish, foolish way that Joe Biden views China. He doesn't view them as a competitor for us, not our main threat.
19: For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg.
3: All right, thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. If I wasn't doing the show, I would be down in uh, San Jose because coming up in an hour, the Sharks are going to be introducing their new general manager. And they've had Doug Wilson there for decades, and he did a fantastic job, in my opinion. But they're going to be introducing the former Shark, Mike Greer, or Greerzy, as we knew him when he was the alternate captain, wearing number 25 and Teal. Team Teal. I always thought Greerzy got more. People loved him. I didn't think he was that great. He was on the downside of his career. But anyway, I still, I thought, I like the grit that Greerzy brought. But he'll be the first ever black GM in hockey. And um, I saw this headline from a website called Dead Spin. And or dead spin, I guess, or dead spin, whatever they say. And it was basically thrashing the Sharks and the NHL saying, This is not a time to celebrate. This is a slap in the face to being the last to change. Because, you know, the NBA and Major League Baseball had GMs in the seventies. The NFL finally got GMs in the ni- black GMs in the nineties. And listen, if you think about the NHL being the last of four major major American sports to have a GM, it is true. The first ever was Wayne Embry. That was in the NBA. Bill Lucas, 1970 s that was in 72. 76 it was Bill Lucas. And then Ozzie Newsom, finally with the Ravens. Um, his the it, very interesting thing is, is his brother Chris Gear Greer was the Miami Dolphins' first black GM in 2016, which is uh, pretty amazing. But, you know, this whole thing about, um, you know, say this is a bunch of BS. And, look, that's you can say, you know, during Pride Month it was BS that all these companies put rainbow flags and they didn't care. Whether it means justify the ends or vice versa, I do think it is a big day. And um, somebody had to go first. And so you can spit on it if you want. But all I, ca- I don't care about what color he is. I just want him to do a good job. Come on back.
18: Wendy's new Strawberry Frosty is here, so check your watch. Is it frosty time yet? It probably is. The hour hand would be on, I'm feeling snacky. And the minute hand would be on, relaxing with a rich, creamy strawberry frosty on a summer day, just digging into that smooth, chilly deliciousness and vibing. You know, depending on what kind of watch you have. When it's time for frosty time, choose wisely. Choose
0: Wendy's Frosty and Classic Chocolate or New Strawberry. Limited time only at participating U.S. Wendy's.
9: Hi, Tom Bodette here. Have you ever noticed how people talk in that same weird voice to their dogs? Just like this? Well, sure gets a dog's tail wagging. Wondering if I can get your ears all perked up the same way when I tell you that
5: pets stay free at Motel 6.
9: With a clean, comfortable room and a great low rate. Now, who's a good human? I think you are. (laughs) I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, the proud sponsor of pets. And we'll leave the light on. For you. Yes, we will.
12: Yes, we will.
3: Check me out, yo. Welcome back to the show. 1-800-878-PLAY, 1-800-878-7529. We're waiting on our guests, I say in plural, and when they uh, come on in, I will uh, throw them on the air. I will literally pick them up and throw them. Until then, I thought I'd get more into hagiography, and and I also was thinking um, maybe we could discuss the Weimar Republic as well. What's that? Oh, sports. All right, we can do that as well. I'm also going to be getting into the MLB draft, the NHL draft. It's all right here for you. But very interesting note from the NFL. Do you know who wants to play? Because the other day we were talking about Ricky Henderson with um, Howard Bryant. He wrote that book, Ricky, and Howard said when he's talking to Ricky, who's in his 60s, he said, I still think I can help a team. RG3, that's right, Robert Griffin III, the Waco sensation with the Heisman, Washington, everything else. He took last year off, and the former number 2 overall pick is ready to go. He might say he's too old. He's 32. So he wants to know if your team and you're calling, he'll definitely pick up the phone. He put last season in as a sabbatical more and less to focus on his TV work. He said, I am ready to go right now. I train every day. I throw and work out. I know what it takes to get my body ready, and I am doing those things. Yes, it is a little bit tougher when you are flying around everywhere doing stuff for TV, but when you really want something, you make it work. So if I get a call this year, next year, or five years from now, I will be ready to play. unquote. Well, listen, a once promising career. What did Washington give St. Louis at the time? They gave him basically their whole future. They wanted RG3. And what was he a couple of years ago? It was like third string for the Ravens. But he tore his ACL in 2012. Bad. Came back, dislocated left ankle, concussion, ended up being the third-string quarterback. In fact, remember, in that same draft, they spent a pick on a guy named Kirk Cousins, who ended up being better. And you wonder at the time, why are you drafting another quarterback? And there was an insurance policy that paid off. But then he went to the Browns, and he did his shoulder, and so they cut him. And as I said, he was the third-string quarterback in uh, Baltimore behind Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco. So even though this guy was Rookie of the Year, it's been a while. All right, uh, welcome back to the show. We have our guests with us. It is Carlos and Alexa Peña Vega. They have released their debut memoir, What If Love is the Point? It chronicles their life journey together as uh, entertainers in Hollywood and their search for meaning it is available from harper collins isn't it let's start off with you alexa ladies first isn't it fitting that when you guys put your last names together that you went with harper collins right
20: <laughs> right the names together um it is very fitting it also just happened to work for us because we had two very short last names thank god because I don't know what we would have done if we had two very long last names.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, interesting title, Carlos. What if love is the point? Because it's something we take for granted, and yet a lot of times people get married for other reasons, don't they?
21: Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like right now in the world, um, you know, it's uh, the world needs love, um, and and I feel like for us, we we just really. We really value marriage, and we really value, um, you know, uh, uh, what what marriage means. So for us, we just kept asking the question, like, okay, well, well, what's the point of this? What's the point of that? What's the point of this? What's the point of that? And we kept coming back to love, and uh, that's how we got the title of the book.
3: You know, Alexa, I was looking at a picture of you guys, and, and you're giving Carlos a piggyback, ride. How long did that last?
20: <laughs> uh, you know what's so funny is that happens— Quite often. And I can carry him. Listen, I have some pretty strong legs. I can carry him around for for a minute. Um, But we were just cracking up because we didn't know, you know, usually when you write these books, they want some pretty cover where you two are just like walking on the beach. But that's so not us. We're goofy. We're kooky. And when we took these photos, we're like, we really hope they're fine with this because this represents who we are.
3: No, it's very fun and playful, no doubt. Now, Carlos, also as a subtitle of the book, "Living for Jesus in a uh, self-consumed world," and I think all you got to do is go to uh, a lot of. uh, You know, I'm not trying to to you know indict any religion, but if you go to religious services in this country, regardless regardless of your faith, the numbers are way way down. So, uh, is that part of this subtitle here? Um,
21: I mean. For us, it didn't have, have anything to do with that for, I mean for us it's more it's more talking about our our, our industry and um, especially like the entertainment industry with like music and, and TV and everything it's just everything is so about me 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 and mm-hmm. you know we, we've just really been trying to live a life like Jesus would have lived you know and and, and, and he was so selfless and about everybody else and um, I think I think people now in the church kind of miss that. They miss the hey, like, like it's okay to serve. Like we were called to serve other people, and like, like obviously well, to you be know, the best leader, right? You have to be right. the best servant. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, my angel.
3: Yes, and <laughs> finishing each other's sentences too. I mean, that's that's <laughs> that's a that's a good couple.
21: <laughs> there we go.
3: Well, that's another thing too, Alexa, you know, when you love someone unconditionally, you get put to the test and we're all people, we all get on each other's nerves sometimes. So how do you, do you have little catchphrases or little tricks to working through those rough patches?
20: You know, there was a, there was, there were a couple of rough times in our marriage where, you know, it's been been such a blessing that we were able to work through it. But something that we uh, took on is something called new me and it was when we were having just a really hard time like butting heads on absolutely everything this is a few years ago and we just needed a complete reset where we're like okay we can't hold each other to our past we can't hold each other to how we used to react to things like we both need to start fresh so from that point on we're like new me this is a new me this is a new you we're not holding anything against each other at all like this is our fresh start and Honestly, I think that's super, super helpful. A lot of times, you know, when you're frustrated with your spouse, you guys are not getting along, you need that reset. You need to just start over and say like, hey, please don't hold me to all my other junk. I want to get rid of that junk. So let's start over.
3: No, it's interesting. And, and, and Carlos, I know you guys, you know, you you don't sugarcoat it. You, you explained everything that goes on in this book, but... Also, you know, uh, kind of a, a newfangled word, but a word that's important is, is boundaries, because a lot of times people think it's all immersive, but we are still, even if we're in a committed relationship, we're all still individuals, and there are some boundaries, right?
21: Yeah, 100%, 100%. I mean, with anything, I think, I think in a marriage, it just takes work. And, you know, like everyone, you know, in, in, in that whole dating, you know, uh, uh, stage, It's fun. It's great. It's cute. You know, it's kind of like that, like honeymoon stage. But once you get married, you know, it, it does take work. And, and, and part of that work is finding each other's boundaries, seeing, seeing, you know, okay, cool. My, uh, my, my other half doesn't like this. And, and, you know, we both have to make, um, make, you know, compromises. And uh, yeah, finding those boundaries is definitely, uh, definitely key to a successful relationship.
3: Last question for you, Alexa. Um, social media can, you know, be just so acerbic and so um, harmful to, to anybody. So as a Hollywood person, you know, that it could maybe make or break you sometimes. How did you guys learn to just ignore all that?
20: Well, for us, we had to go, um, we had to ask ourselves, what's the point, right? And ultimately it came down to, like, we want to shine a light on what it looks like. Um, to be married in today's day and age, what it looks like to have a family and raise kids. So we're like, if we're going to be a representation of like, you know, heaven here on earth, we got to represent, we got to show up. So for us, we really utilize social media as like a place of, hey, you can have a wholesome, happy family. It's not going to be perfect all the time, but we're just going to show you how we live our lives. And if that can be impactful, even for one person, then it would have been worth it.
3: There they are, Carlos and Alexa Pena Vega. The book is called What If Love is the Point? Living for Jesus in a Self Consumed World, available from HarperCollins. Congratulations on the book, you two. Thank, Thank you, you very
20: much. Thank you so much for having
3: us. All right, we got an open segment on the other side. Come on back on Sports Byline.
14: <laughs> I get a call on a I pick it up and I see that it's you. It's you. Like my heart, you breaking the news. You say, it's over, it's over, it's over. And now, cause I'm out of my mind. I'm a friend.
7: How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest Call Rate Genius
1: now. 800-811-7913. 800-811-7913. 800-811-7913. That's
8: 800-811-7913. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors.
9: If you're taking a calcium supplement, it's probably not doing what you think it is.
7: Rick Tittle always goes commando.
3: And we have some open lines, and let's go out to Texas, Galveston County, and we got Christian. How you doing, Christian?
2: I'm doing all right, Rick Tittle. I wish I could say the same for the people out in Philadelphia and near Chicago, though. There's some craziness going on, but hopefully we can all make it through.
3: We got something in Philadelphia Uh now, too.
2: No no, actually no, no. I was meaning what happened yesterday involving some of uh, I mean, I don't wanna talk about it. I know you don't wanna hear about it, but it's like it just keeps happening every single day. It's, you know, Oh, no, right, I'm just I'm right just right I'm right. just
3: looking at it right now. Two people shot yeah, the Louise.
2: Understood, understood. Wow. But it's like the old saying go sports is like the treasure chest of life. We just got to understand what's going on and do our best to help, you know, make things a little easier, so to speak. But enough about all that. Considering the fact that, I mean, going back to sports now, considering the fact that the Astros have been just walking off on people, I mean, I know it might hurt you to hear me say that the Astros are pretty much over AL West at this point because First, the yeah. Athletics can't sell flies to a, well, you know.
3: That's intentional, the yeah. They're they're trying to suck uh, the front offices. But yeah, the Astros, I mean that series against the Yankees that they split four games, I mean, that's going to be your, probably your American League championship series. Oh, of course it will.
2: But what I was basically asking was considering the fact that they just got off the New York ringer and they swept the Angels this past weekend and now they made the Royals look silly one game in. Do you think that the Astros are pretty much over the AL West and they're now thinking bigger picture?
3: Yeah, I think think in the beginning of the season they looked at the moves Seattle made. They looked at all the money the Rangers spent. They looked at the money that the Angels spent, and they probably thought, okay, we, we've got our hands full here, and that division race, just like in the AL East, uh, is over. I mean, the, the Red Sox are 10 games over 500, and they're 13 games back. So every other team in the American League West is below 500. they They're all losers. Now, you can look at Tampa Bay. If Tampa Bay, which is fourth place in the East, If they were in the West, they would be, you know, on Houston's uh, heels. But, no, I I don't regard any team in the Central as a threat. And whoever wins that division, whether it's Minnesota or Cle, I mean, Chicago can't even get a winning (laughs) record. We'll see how long, I mean, I know that Reinsdorf loves La Russa. But, no, I mean, I think the only thing that the Astros need to worry about is if, you know, once the playoffs start, there's Boston, there's Toronto. You know, those those will be some wild cards. Maybe even Tampa Bay. You can have four teams from that division. All bets are off once you get to the second season. But, uh, you know, the Astros, they've already put the West in their rearview mirror.
2: Oh, yeah, of course they have. And if you think about, you know, a potential playoff picture, and I know it's a little bit early considering the fact that we haven't even reached the All-Star break yet. But if you were looking at the playoff picture now, it's like you said, you would look at the Astros and the Cleveland Guardians, but you would also look at four teams from the NL East making it to the playoffs without even trying.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, I it's mean funny. the funny
2: AL East. The AL
3: East. Yeah. I no. Mean, yeah, you're right, and you would think those teams would beat up on each other a little bit more than they have, but. The interesting is the Baltimore Orioles have the same record as the Angels, and that has to kill that they're throwing away yet another Mike Trout. They're throwing away another Shoei Ohtani here is what they're doing as well. But I mean, to be honest, the
2: Orioles are throwing away Trey Mancini.
3: Well, <laughs> yeah, but Trey Mancini, bless his heart, he ain't Mike Trout. He ain't getting paid Mike Trout money and all the other guys that they've brought in to, uh, to Anaheim. So... Um, and the Orioles know that they're not going to the playoffs. Uh, so you you they're throwing away, and listen, I hate the Angels. I don't care that they're throwing away another season. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it for every team in the American League West, Seattle, Texas, and L.A., they all thought they were going to be players. And as it seems right now, look, Seattle still has an outside shot at a wild card, but I doubt it. They're not as good as those Eastern teams. The only teams that, The only team that it's worked out exactly the way they thought was Oakland because they said we're going to – and I said before the season the A's are going to embrace 100 losses, and people kept telling me, no, they're always scrappy, they're always competitive. And I'm like, look at the – the A's right now have 55 losses, which is by far the most in baseball. We're not even at the All-Star break yet.
2: Uh, That's sad. I mean, it's probably even sadder to tell – Chris
3: Townsend, a former employee of this Netflix. Oh, you know, little Townie reference there.
2: Yeah, it's basically easier to tell Chris Townsend that the season's over rather than to stick around and do 70 more games of this garbage.
3: <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> uh, Townie and I worked three straight seasons where the A's were in last place, and we also worked mm-hmm. several years where the A's were in the playoffs, too. So... Yeah, he get he gets paid the same either way. Don't feel sorry for that guy.
2: Of course mm-hmm. he
3: does.
2: <laughs> but still though. Another question I wanna get off my chest and I know that,
14: you know, nobody
2: really cared about the fact that the NFL had no wait, nobody really cared about the fact that there was another football league. I think I remember telling you about this when it started and not referencing it again. But do you think that after the USFL first comeback season ended on Sunday, do you think that they have some AM power?
3: Wait, it ended? Who won it?
2: The Birmingham Stallion, <laughs> bringing professional
3: football
2: first championship to Alabama for some odd reason.
3: Well, congratulations to them. Do you know that I think after the Super Bowl is that didn't they start like a week after the Super Bowl, is that right? No. They
11: about
2: a
3: month after the ah, all right all right yeah I didn't see one game and I and there I didn't see any TV coverage of it so I don't know how that sport's supposed to grow and I don't know I mean I guess I wasn't paying attention honestly I had no idea that that league was going right now I mean I knew that they had started I mean, it I, d- I just didn't know it was still going
2: i mean it's understandable because nobody knew that it was on because it was on you know the Fox Networks and NBC Universal, and then you had the old USFL guard, Larry Sarkin, them trying to sue for all the intellectual rights. So I guess as uh, soon as that stalled and died out, interest waned.
11: <laughs>
3: How about you though? You you knew about it. What was your team?
2: Oh, my team was the Gamblers, the Houston Gamblers. Of but course, then it automatically.
3: Can I tell you that I went to a Houston Gamblers game at the Oakland Coliseum, and I watched Jim Kelly throw five touchdown passes, I believe, to Gary Clark at the time.
2: Oh, was it in like 84 or 85? I think there's video on YouTube
3: about that. Wow, yeah, I was in the third deck. Yeah, I went to several of those Invader games, and uh, Jim Kelly was a huge draw in that league, and of course we know he went to four straight Super Bowls, too.
2: Of course, of course. But still, though, you know, I can only hope that the XFL next year ends up getting some of that different, I mean, getting some different revenue off of this because the USFL, even though they tried to make this old format true, it really didn't seem like good football, especially because of the fact that they played in one city, Birmingham, Alabama, for most of the season and they might might expand but still don't what do i know (laughs)
3: all right hey as always uh christian we appreciate the uh, participation thanks for the call man
2: hey thanks for having me on and i'll talk to you on social media at rick tittle it's been fun
3: all right sounds good and christian uh has a podcast as well uh you can check that out um but, uh, yeah, the, the USFL, I don't know why they didn't put a team uh, in Oakland. I think some people, I don't know, they probably didn't want the Coliseum filled with eight. It would have looked like an A's game against the Mariners, I guess. Actually, you know what? I think there would have been more. I think there would have been more fans, honestly. But the timing of it, because the USFL started exactly when the Raiders moved to L.A., and it was ex- it was the same exact timing again. Right when the Raiders moved to Vegas, the USFL started again. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back. Oh,
11: yeah.
1: Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-209-6124. 800-209-6124. 800-209-6124. That's 800-209-6124. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity.
7: How long does it take to tackle a home project? With Angie, you could cross it off your list before this ad is over. Just tell us what you need, indoor or outdoor, repair or redesign, and we handle the rest, sending a top pro to get it done. You don't have to lift a finger, except to tap the screen or click the mouse. Plus, Angie is free to use. So bring us your next home project, and we'll bring it home. Download the app or go to Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com to get started.
2: It doesn't really matter. I uh I
23: don't like my job, and uh, I don't think I'm gonna go anymore.
14: Rick
7: Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Speaking of that, we are very glad to be joined by an American hero. A uh, veteran is with us. It's Captain Adam Napier. He's going to be golfing at the American Century Championship this weekend, the 33rd annual of Edgewood in Tahoe, and of course, this is going to be on the Golf Channel and also NBC as well. This tournament has raised over $6 million for charity since it uh, came in. Captain, welcome to the show, and I know you uh, earned a spot in this by winning the George W. Bush Presidential Center's Warrior Open. How cool was that to uh, bring that prize home?
23: Man, what an absolutely amazing experience Uh, it it, it was. I was lucky enough to play in it a time before and 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 didn't win and and getting to go back and, and being able to get it done the second time was just I mean it's both both experiences have been a highlight of, of of my life really.
3: I love the fact that you've caddied too. So what's it like when you're a good golfer and you're a caddy and you tell the guy, "Nah, I wouldn't go with a four. I'd go with a five iron hair?
23: Well, I, you know, I was lucky to caddy for a really good friend of mine, so and we played a lot of golf together. So it, it was pretty seamless. Um, you know, I knew his game well enough uh, to, you know, I just tried to help out and stay out of his way at the same time. Uh,
3: you have, uh, as a veteran in both Iraq and Afghanistan, you were on the ground, um, the IEDs that you had, the VBIED, the the TBI. I know a lot of initials here, but the traumatic brain injury, taking shrapnel to your hands, your face, and your uh, shoulder, and yet you can still golf. What what is it about the your resilience and the type of treatment that you received?
23: Well, I I, I, I was extremely extremely lucky. Um, you know, I the the TBI has been my biggest issue to deal with. Uh, the shrapnel wounds. Uh, extremely lucky on those. My vest caught the biggest part. Uh, my radio, my, my M4. Um, most of the, a lot of the shrapnel wounds, uh, themselves when it happened because the metal was so hot. And so it, that, I was extremely lucky with that. Incredibly lucky for how close I was to the explosion. Um, you know, the TBI has been an ongoing thing and will be. Uh, something I, I deal with through life, you know, it gives me sleep issues and and headaches and different things. But uh, I, I I've I really learned learned to, to to manage my care and um, you know take my meds and and don't spend too much time watching TV away from screens and lights and things like that. So you know, get outside and do things like play golf and fish, and you know, it allows me to to, to deal with those things a lot better
3: wow so your m4 was a bit of a shield huh
23: it, it was so uh the biggest piece of shrapnel I actually called him I, before this happened i would have argued with you all day about side sappy plates that we had to wear I hated them but the biggest piece of shrapnel that would have would have ripped through my gut hung in went through my 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 hair radio in my my and hung up in my side sappy plate and it went through the magazine of actually my my M4 mm. that
3: piece. Wow. It's a good thing it didn't uh the the bullets didn't go off going through the mag, huh?
23: <laughs> yeah, it it just all uh, I mean, it went straight through them. It, it's pretty weird looking. I wanted to keep the magazine but they made me turn it in for testing or or something. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, I remember um Super Bowl 50, um, I hosted a radio show at the Wounded Warriors game before the Super Bowl out here in the Bay Area. And I got to sit down with a lot of vets and just so awe-inspiring. And there was one guy, um, all his limbs were gone, his face was basically melted off, and he still had the bravery to come out and be interviewed by me. And he always kept saying, this country's worth it. And I just think about you. Like the first time you got your purple heart, you would have had every right to say, "Okay, look, I served. I'm going home now." But you kept going back. Is that kind of the same theme?
23: Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I'm. If, if you can see my golf bag this week, it it, it is as patriotic as, as I can make it. Uh, you know, I love this country, and and I'll, you know. I thought what we did, what we were doing, was important, and I thought through my experiences and me getting blown up and, and different things too, allowed me to be a better, a better officer and company commander when I went back and you know, to help my guys be ready and help us be safe and have a better chance to bring them home from from their deployment.
3: You know, I think about a lot of captains too. I mean, you 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 might have the record for being wounded because you were right there, you were in the front lines, weren't you?
23: Uh, I, I was, but actually a, a good friend of mine that's it, from the California area is the um Captain D J Skelton is is known as the most wounded captain. He actually got shot in the chest by an RPG and, and survived and oh. has been a, become a really out, outspoken person for, for veterans. You know, he does a lot of rock climbing and outdoor sailing events and different things like that. Just a, another great American so I'm lucky to know.
3: You know I think about the World War Two II- um, Chesty Puller, you know the the Marine General. You talk about Chesty. How do you survive a shaped charge being shot into your chest?
23: Uh, incredibly lucky. <laughs> <laughs> he he was he was actually close enough that it didn't like fully detonate. So, but just unbelievable that, that that even can happen.
3: No doubt. A couple more questions for Captain Adam Napier. He will be up at Edgewood for American Century Championship. So. When you look around and you see Aaron Rodgers and Steph Curry and really good golfers like Tony Romo and then the celebs like Justin Timberlake, guys like that. Um, is it weird to, you know, cause we kind of get starstruck by celebrities and yet it, when it, when it comes down to it, you really are like the biggest celebrity that's there of talk about serving his country.
23: Well, you know, I'm a huge sports fan. So, I mean, this is a, um, a lifetime. I mean, I, 10 years ago, I couldn't even imagine something like this ever happening. Mm-hmm. So, to be here experiencing it is, is just amazing. But, yeah, there's a couple things that that has helped me prepare for it. One, you know, I got to caddy for another War Open uh, winner, Jerry Woods, uh, a couple years ago. So, that gave me some exposure to the event and, you know, I met a lot of the players then. You know, I've stayed in contact with some of them. Um, And also, um, just um, I have some friends from growing up that you know have been extremely fortunate to make it uh, to the major leagues and in the NFL and football, and so um, that's helped. And I've met their friends, so it's put me at ease. And then the last thing was uh, like Tony Romo and another uh, some of the other guys actually part in the Warrior Open the first year I was there. They were in the Pro-Am and, mm. and different things. So I, I've had other opportunities to, to to meet some of these guys, and they've all been so supportive to all of us and, and so supportive to the military that it's just it's an amazing experience.
3: You know, I know a guy who's a friend of mine. He's a ranger, and he did stints in Iraq and I'd, Afghanistan. He talked about how in Iraq he said, you know, we were on— Humvees on the freeway, and yet in Afghanistan, we were on dirt roads and in pickup trucks. I mean, they're really two different types of worlds, aren't they?
23: It, they, they yeah, I, I'm glad I got to go to, to both and experience it, but they are two totally separate creatures in themselves. Uh, you know, I, I was very lucky in Iraq that I went to an area that um, I mean, Simply, they, they loved Americans. I mean, they they knew we were there to help them. Uh, it took a few months of us to, to, to really get them on our side, but well, once we did, you know, they were our biggest uh, intel source. They helped us catch the bad guys. If new people came in, they told us, like, hey, you know, these guys are from out of the country. You need to go get these guys. And then I was also lucky that I went back to the same area a year later for my second deployment to Iraq. And and I, I was able to see the night and day changes that 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 were made where we were, and, you know. And a, a lot of the a lot of the guys that served overseas weren't weren't lucky like that. They weren't able to see
11: mm-hmm. the
23: hard work that they put in from a previous deployment. They weren't able to see what came of it. And and I I was extremely lucky that 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 I was able to do that. I was able to see these programs that you know, were like, man, is this really doing anything to help? I was able to go back and see these programs and what impact they had had and how people's lives were better.
3: You know, I think about the responsibility as a company commander or a battalion operations officer. Everything you learn from your experiences or going back to OCS, whatever it is, whatever your order is could cost American lives. That responsibility lies with our best and brightest of which you were, but that still is a very heavy responsibility. How do you... Uh, you know, how do you live with the idea of knowing your decision, one way or another, could cost that ultimate price?
23: Well, you know, my decisions uh, led to to my RTO uh, specialist, Luis Al. He he was killed when I when I was injured in my my first Purple Heart. But you know, we we were doing what we were supposed to do, and you know, the right decisions were made, and and it was just it's it just what. Happens in war, you know. Mm-hmm. You 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 don't want to deal with that, and, and you want to take every step for it not to happen. But I mean, unfortunately, it is going to happen. And I've just tried to take the attitude after after some time of dealing with things like, you know, I I, I need to live every day for 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 those guys. I need to to show you know you can deal with these things and and you can have a fulfilling life and 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 let people know that, that veterans aren't how they per, are portrayed a lot of times on TV and in different things with, with dealing with their emotional issues and stuff like that. You know, we're still people. We're, we're still good people. We're not all crazy. So you know, I've, I've really taken that outlook and, and trying and tried to, to show yeah the, it, the other side, I guess you would say.
3: Mm-hmm. And last question for you, cycling back to civilian life, and we know – about PTSD and just the camaraderie that you had and, and now you're not with the get the fellas anymore. How hard has it been for you to acclimate to your old self?
23: Ooh, I mean, that's, that's been a, that's been a, a journey, a 10 year journey, but man, I, I have some of the best friends all over the world um, that that I've served with. that I I stay in contact with, Um, I, I would encourage other veterans and, in future veterans, I man, those guys that, that you spend every day with, you know, it's, it's, it's really easy to, to, to disconnect from them uh, when you, you know, the army does a terrible job of putting you together and making you bond with these people and becoming like your family. And then they, you know, they split you up uh, shortly after you get back. But if you make the effort to stay in contact with, with your brothers and sisters
11: and, you
23: know, that that's therapy in itself. Um, I read a quote the other day about the Warrior Bonfire program that, that a night around a bonfire with fellow veterans is better than a full day of therapy. And that, that, that's 100% true. You know, people that have experienced it and been through it, you know, that that's 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 who you can talk to and who you can be yourself with because they went through it and they understand. And, and that's what I encourage people to do. Stay Stay in contact with those people. It's hard. It's hard to do, but pick up the phone, call them, ask them how they're doing, and, you know, it'll, it's worth it. I can't even explain how much it is.
3: Wow. Great stuff from Captain Adam Napier. You can go find out more about uh, the, uh, the golf tournament at AmericanCenturyChampionship.com. It's getting ready to start tomorrow uh, up at uh, Tahoe, and as I mentioned, we'll see it on the Golf Channel and uh, NBC as well. Captain, great stuff, man. A very inspiring story. Best of luck uh, golfing as well. Thanks for coming on.
11: All right, thank
3: you. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back.
0: Pricing information, 800-915-9654,
1: 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, that's 800-915-9654.
22: Here's a great way to save money on your prescription medications. If you take Viagra or Cialis, we can give you a way to pay as little as $2 a pill. Call Pharmacy Shop 24 7 to get generic versions of Viagra or Cialis for as little as $2 a pill, plus free discreet shipping.
1: 800 709 4409. 800 709 4409. That's 800 709 4409.
8: You can't be serious, man. You cannot be
9: serious!
7: Piddle is a majestic stallion.
3: All right, uh, thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. And uh, you know, once again, when I, whenever I interview a guy like uh, Captain Napier, there, I just uh, in awe. Especially, like I said, you know, once once an I, the his the first IED went off. His interpreter standing right next to him was killed, shrapnel went in him. He could have come home a hero. We all would have bowed down, and we should have. He put his life on the line, nearly lost it, and uh, but he went back two more times and got hit by IEDs two more times, and um, it's just uh, amazing, and I'm just thankful that we have people like this um, in our country. And you can argue about the cause or the validity, whatever. That's fine. You can argue about it. But just the fact that we have people that are willing to go for um, to protect us is pretty amazing. All right. We have another hour to go. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back on Byline.
19: S.A. Radio News with Tim Berg. President Biden is paying tribute to four Army veterans of the Vietnam War. Biden awarding four medals of honor during a White House ceremony, he praised the honorees for acts of incredible, astonishing, and selfless heroism.
16: To the late Staff Sergeant Edward M. Kinicero, Specialist 5 Dwight W. Birdwell, to Specialist 5 Dennis M. Fufuji, and to Major John Duffy, I'm proud to finally award our highest military recognition, the Medal of Honor, to each of you.
19: Confidence in United States institutions is falling. A new Gallup poll finding significant declines in 11 of 16 institutions that were in the survey. Confidence in the presidency is down 15 percentage points from a year ago. The U.S. Supreme
17: Court dropped 11 percentage points. USA Radio News. He's on meds, too. Call 800-333-1750, 800-333-1750.
19: A dangerous heat wave will roast millions of Americans across the plains and Midwest this week. Parts of the central and southern plains, the mid-Mississippi Valley and the mid-South will see highs in the upper 90s to low triple digits. Police have taken a person of interest into custody after at least six people were killed and more than two dozen were injured during a shooting at a 4th of July parade outside Chicago on Monday. President Biden says he will continue to combat gun violence. New York Republican Congressman Claudia Tinney says guns shouldn't be blamed. And so President
15: Biden just wants to keep talking about gun control because that's the knee-jerk reaction of the Mm -hmm. left. This isn't a guy who used to believe in that. But unfortunately, here we are. We need to deal with the issues of mental health. We've got to bring people back to understanding that when you commit a crime, you have to be held
19: accountable. That's not happening in New York. Law enforcement saying the male suspect may have left the scene in female clothes. USA Radio News. Sweden and Finland are another step closer to joining NATO. Members of the alliance signed accession protocols for the two countries Tuesday. Finland and Sweden both confirmed their willingness and ability to meet obligations and commitments of NATO membership. Two Philadelphia police officers are recovering after they were shot near a 4th of July celebration. It happened just before 10 p.m. near the Philadelphia Art Museum. Police Commissioner Danielle Outlaw saying it's too early to tell if the shots were intentional or celebratory gunfire. President Joe Biden is reportedly considering lifting Trump administration tariffs against Chinese products. Appearing on Fox and Friends, Arkansas Republican Senator Tom Cotton says once again he believes that president biden is
8: taking it easy on china for decades he has not seen china as a threat and now as you point out china is leading the world and producing so-called green technology you know solar panels made with slave labor because of their unfair trade practices and joe biden and the democrats want to accelerate our dependence on Chinese sources of energy. By contrast, we're the world's largest producer of fossil fuels, and China is a net importer of them, so they want to give away yet another point of key leverage in our competition with China. But it gets back to the the foolish, foolish way that Joe Biden views China. He doesn't view them as a competitor for us, not our main threat.
19: For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg.
3: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. 1-800-878-PLAY. You know, the Mariners have a guy named Julio Rodriguez, and I know that's a pretty common name. You know, it's like you probably know one if you grew up around here. I I, knew, I actually know two guys, not kidding, named Julio Rodriguez. But he entered the season as one of the very prospects in baseball, and he is living up to the hype. Yesterday, launching a third-deck home run at Petco. But his home run was his 15th of the season, and he made some history. He is with 15 career home runs and 20 career stolen bases in 81 games. That's the fastest in history. Before that, it was Ellis Burks at 82 games. Before that, Cal Daniels. Before that, Barry Bonds. And before that, Eric Davis. And that's some pretty nice company. The only guy I don't know is Cal Daniels. Dominic, Cal Daniels, ring a bell? Yeah, me neither. But players with 15 home runs, 20 stolen bases in any 81 game span at age 21 or younger would be also Acuna Jr., Trout, Andrew Jones, and Cesar Sedeno. But this was his first 81 games. Now, he started off this season very slow. His April, he hit 205, but he has been on a rampage ever since. He's been hitting three hundred since that time. He leads the AL in stolen bases. He has a legitimate shot of being a 30 30 guy in his rookie season. And if it was not for the Astros' rookie shortstop, Jeremy Pena, he would be a runaway. But Pena has also been excellent. This will be like when Correa edged out Lindor in one of the closest Rookie of the Year votes ever. So these are two fantastic American League West shortstops and the A's have Sheldon Noisy Crickets. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. 1 800 878 play to get in and get heard. 1 800 878 7529. Tune in at iHeartRadio app, up Stitcher app. Up there I am. CRN Digital Plus 2, the cable radio network channel, junior cable provider, 35 million homes, homes, and the American Forces Radio Network. And the Twitter's at Rick Tittle. Come on back.
9: At the United States Postal Service, we deliver with advanced technology and equipment so we can reach over 160 million addresses across the country. We're delivering for fingers, doers, movers, shakers, groundbreakers, future makers, innovators, trailblazers, disruptors, streamers, dreamers. So no matter what business you're in, we'll always be delivering for you. USPS,
4: delivering for America. Learn more at USPS.com slash delivering.
7: Are you looking for solutions for health and wellness at home? Please visit antiagingbed.com. They are on a mission to use proven technology to provide you with healthy solutions to many conditions that affect all of us physically and mentally. Use promo code wellness for your discount. Antiagingbed.com. Technology proven to help you feel your best. Use promo code wellness. Antiagingbed.com. Feel your best.
12: Right now, sports betting is the fastest growing industry in the world. To consistently cash tickets at the sports books, it's best to be armed with the right plays from the best sports bettors in the business. That's what you'll get at AgainstTheNumber.com. At AgainstTheNumber.com, you'll get specialists with decades of experience betting multiple sports at a high level and many sports specific packages from the nfl to college basketball to cricket to soccer to the european tour that gives you a consistent edge on the sports book for a highly skilled reasonably priced team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only beating the books at their own game Visit againstthenumber.com. That's against the number.com
10: titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius, the best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius, the best show ever. He's so wonderful Titillating sports with Rick Tittle Rick tittle is a he's so handsome He's a genius
6: All
3: right thank you uh, welcome back to the show Rick tittle with you one eight hundred. Eight seven eight play one eight hundred eight seven eight seven five two nine. It is twelve after the eleven o'clock hour here in the a.m. As they say, it's time to check in with one of our friends at AgainstTheNumber.com, which is a highly skilled team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only: beating the sports books at their own game. They cover every sport worldwide, from the NFL to college basketball to soccer to cricket to tennis to European hockey, and all of them are proven winners. They offer full season, end of current season, one month, one week one-day-and-one-year specialist-specific packages. Their prices are reasonable. Their tracking and distribution process is simple, and the results are real. Joining us once again is our friend J.D. Sharp to talk about MLB. J.D., I'm just looking in the American League West. They have two fantastic rookie shortstops. Julio Rodriguez of Seattle became the uh, first player ever to get 15 home runs and 20 bases in his first 81 games and then you look over in houston you got jeremy pena who's almost doing the same thing i was thinking back to 2015 when correa barely edged out lean and rookie of the year do you see either of those guys uh i mean one of them's going to be rookie of the year in the al who do you like
24: uh, honestly i like julio rodriguez and by the way he's a center fielder Peña is a shortstop But I think Rodriguez is. Oops. He's he's got a chance to be one of the. He's got a chance to be a generational talent. And he's got 20 stolen bases. He's now hitting for power. The bomb he hit yesterday was 430 feet. He's sitting like 277, not on a really great team. Whereas Pena is surrounded by Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, Altuve, Bregman. I mean, you you name it. The Astros are. they, They may be as good as the Yankees as of right now, especially with Verlander. Pitching as well as he is, and he's probably got a good chance to win the, the AL Cy Young himself. But no, I think that Rodriguez is going to be the AL Rookie of the Year. I don't see Pena keeping up uh, what he's what he's been doing, but he, he has been incredibly good. I mean, he he ended that game two days ago with that two run bomb. But I, I, I just think Rodriguez is he's the he embodies a, a five tool player, and he's got the look. I think he may be the the next superstar of Major League Baseball.
3: Wow, you know, and and you're right. He is a center fielder. Thank you. Um, Today, the Mariners and Padres will be going here at uh, 1 o'clock at Petco, Gilbert versus Clevenger. And just as a side note, I remember when I was doing A's pre and post, I went to Bob Melvin after the game because Clevenger was with Cleveland. And I said, the guy box on every pitch. And he's like, no, he doesn't. And I go, yeah, he does. And Bob Melvin was like, no, he doesn't. But anyway, he pitches, he pitches for Bob Melvin now. Uh, the Mariners, despite their good young center fielder, they still are not a winning team. Um, what do you think today in this one?
24: This is a game you know, that the Padres have a much bigger name than the Mariners do. And Clevenger's actually having a pretty decent year 2 0, 279. Gilbert's having a great year. He's actually got a chance to win the side on himself. He's 9 3 with a 266, and he's been pretty good. On the road, surprisingly, um, I would look at the under in this game. I think that it could really go either way. I would I would not be shocked at all if the Mariners ended up winning this game, and I I think it wouldn't be a bad play to take them first five run line, and full game run line. But this is the type of game where I could see it going under first five and full game, maybe like four three Padres, and maybe two two or two one after after the first five, but Uh, a game that the Padres are definitely not a a massive favorite in by any stretch of the imagination, although Machado is back. But Gilbert is is a very, very talented pitcher and probably one of the top five upcoming pitchers uh, in the AL, if not in Major League Baseball.
3: We've got the Twins at the White Sox, and the Twins are the only team that has their head screwed on straight in the AL Central. Kopech going... For the, of course, they get the first eight-five triple play in history happened yesterday. <laughs> but the White Sox, Kopech, yeah, crazy. yeah, Kopech was the one of the big names in the sale trade, the sale sale. Um, he has five losses, even though his ERA is under three, so he's got no run support. And then, of course, the familiar face of uh, Archer now, who uh, also has ERA almost uh, at an even three. This one's interesting. Who do you like?
24: I like Kopek here. Uh, Kopek actually, he got hurt. He, he was having a really, really strong. So you get like a 154 ERA or something. You know, gonsolin ask who's now 10 and 0 with a 154 and just can't be touched. We talked about him, obviously, the, the St. Mary's guy. But uh, Kopek has all the talent in the world. He was throwing 102 in high school. He's actually tempered that down. Now he's got four pitches. His fastball moves pretty well, but he did get hurt against the Rangers. Th- I think it was three starts ago, and he hasn't been the same since. But he still looked pretty decent the last two starts. This total is 9.5, which is incredibly high. Uh, I think that Archer probably gets hit pretty hard here. I like Kopech, first five, full game. I think the White Sox win this game going away.
3: There's another game, I don't know if you'd touch this, Rangers at Orioles, two teams with 37 wins. Some pitchers you might say who. A guy named Howard for Texas with an ERA over 12. A guy named Voth for uh, (laughs) the Orioles. We're laughing at two guys in the big leagues, and you and I never sniffed it. But still, we got Howard at a twelve twelve one five. You got Voth at a six seven five. Neither one has a big league win. Do you the over unders a nine le- nine and a half at Camden Yards? Do these games yeah. interest you at all, or do you just kind of just you know sneeze at them?
24: I mean, the only value there would be probably taking the under. But besides that, I would take a, I would handicap it for maybe a, a minute or two. Take a quick look at it, Spencer Howard actually started his career pretty okay with the Phillies and then ended up getting traded to the Rangers as part of one of their deals. Um, But not a game I I would spend a lot of time on, and I really don't see a lot of an advantage here, except that there's a minimal value in possibly taking the first five under. But even then, I I would question
3: it. Angels are at Marlins. The Angels are wasting yet another Mike Trout season as he gets older. It'll be Syndergaard, whose ERA is under four, but he's five and six. And then Alcantara, who's having a great year, Eight wins with a one nine five for the fish. What do you think in South Beach?
24: Over under seven. I think that conventional uh, conventional wisdom would tell you to take the under here. I think actually Alcantara gets hit here uh, pretty hard. I like. I would take a look at, and I haven't handicapped it fully, but I, I like the Angels here. I would take a look at Syndergaard first five. I would take it them full game. The, the Marlins they don't have. They, they, it's just there's a massive. Uh, firepower difference here. The Marlins say, "What do they got? John Bertie and his twenty-five steals. That's great." But Jesus Aguilar isn't really doing much. Jazz Chisholm's been out for about a week now. The Angels still have a ton of talent offensively, and so I think that if, if there's a play here for me, it would probably be on the Angels as an underdog. On a, I, mean, I may actually look at them first five and full game money lines, just an outright victory here.
3: Last question for you in the NL West down in Phoenix. The Giants will take on the Snakes. Um, of course, the Diamondbacks are out of it. The Giants, just two games over, and right now not a playoff team. They have had uh, last ten games; they are two and eight. They have had a lot of injuries. It's just are, are the Giants right now just kind of having a dog day week, or do you think the Giants are finally starting to slip away into five hundred, which is what I thought they were going to be last year?
24: Yeah, I think they'll be below five hundred. I mean, Rodon's supposed to be their ace, and he got rocked yesterday. This game is interesting. Five zero three ERA against seven eight eight over under of nine. I'll definitely take a look at at the under on both sides of that. But yeah, I think the Giants just don't have a lot. I think they've really overperformed, especially last year when they went on some of those fallacious runs that they had. But I, I think that uh, the Giants are probably going to end up being a maybe like a seventy five win team. Rick, I don't think they win eighty games. I think they probably win seventy to seventy five games. And uh, the, yeah, the, it was it was really telling when Rodone got borderline blasted last night in Arizona as well, considering how good of a year he's had, but he's always been inconsistent like that. He's always had this ace stuff. And I don't know if he's got maybe some type of issue mentally where he's just incapable of being consistent or, I don't you know, who knows what's going on, but he sometimes, I mean, the guy can strike out 14 in the next game. He can give up five runs. It's just crazy. That's just how he's always pitched though. So, yeah, when, when when you've got a pitcher like that who's very inconsistent and you don't have a lot behind him, Logan Webb has really overperformed last year as well, and he hasn't been pitching as well either. So yeah, They just don't really have the offense or the pitching to, to be a contender this year. And so I wouldn't be shocked if, if they, well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I would take a look at, at first five and full game under here, but I would have to handicap pretty tough to get to that point.
3: Yeah, and since Posey retired, it's been a wasteland. Bart was the second overall pick sent down oh, again. Yeah. Casali's hurt. they got this guy Wins in there. So, anyway, that's J.D. Yeah, awesome. Sharp. Check out all his his analyses at AgainstTheNumber.com. Thanks a lot, J.D.
24: Hey, thanks a lot, Rick. Have a good one.
3: All right, <laughs> I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Byline.
7: The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now.
1: 800-811-7913. 800-811-7913. 800-811-7913. That's 800-811-7913. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings.
8: Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application. On creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. I don't even recognize myself anymore.
5: I'm really worried about him. His addiction. I haven't seen him like this. Ever.
9: Hey, look, I I never wanted to start using I, I knew the drill,
5: but I
9: was out of options.
5: I just want to tell him it's not your fault. There are people out there who can help, people who have felt your pain.
1: That's 800-378-3508. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
7: Rick Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
3: All right. I feel bad about that now. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. There is a new movie uh, coming out soon. It's called H.P. Lovecraft's Witch House. It is from Horror Wasteland Pictures International. And uh, we're quite happy now to be joined by the lead actress, Portia Shell Lynn. And uh, also, Michelle Morris. Not two people, one person, right?
25: Well, it depends on who you ask, I guess.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so you're I like the fact that you're quite open with your nom de plume. How did you come up with the stage name?
25: Oh, well that um it goes back to two thousand and three. I I became a, a dancer at the time and that was the the first name Portia was the stage name then. And it kind of just hung around, and uh, so as time progressed, I needed something unique. So when people would look me up when I started the acting, I'd be the one and only because Lord knows how many Michelle Morrises are out there.
11: Mm-hmm.
25: And um, so I was like, well, Mom, growing up, always called me Shell Lynn because it's from the South. She'd be like, Shell Lynn, get your butt in here and clean that up. So uh, I kind of put the two together, and it was just it was good for uh, marketing, you know. My
3: name. And then how many times were you called Darlin, Sugar, and Pumpkin? More
25: than I could
3: count. <laughs> <laughs> what part of the south are you from? Uh,
25: originally Birmingham, Alabama area.
3: Mm, sure. All right, and congratulations. I was just told that Birmingham, Alabama won the USFL championship yesterday, if you knew or cared.
25: I. Uh, didn't know
3: but that's awesome all right well let's talk about your character alice gilman a graduate student running from an abusive past and seeking refuge in the infamous hannah house what's going on here
25: oh well uh my my character alice is um yeah she she's running from her abusive boyfriend and 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 it's a hannah mansion i mean this place was was huge. Um, It was a great place for this to be shot. It was an actual haunted house on a mansion in Indianapolis. And um, I think that place really made the whole story come to life. It was a a character in its own, you know, in a way. But um, yeah, and then I'm trying to uh, prove the possibility of alternate dimensions. And I unlock some craziness and end up. To me, it's like if anyone's ever seen, kind of like, uh, was it Stranger Things? You know, you're unlocking different gateways and mm-hmm. different dimensions and stuff. And I'm, I'm in a dream within a dream, like within a dream. You never know whether my character is in reality or if she's um, in a dream. Pretty much, uh, and. It, it's just yeah, there's some crazy with with if you know what H. P. Lovecraft with his work, like mm-hmm. the you know, um, Brown Jenkins and stuff like that, the rat and uh but they changed a lot in it too, so it wasn't like the original um short, the uh um what was it called? The Dreams of the Witch House is what it was. Mm-hmm. So that was that was H.P. Lovecraft's actual story, short story. It was Dreams in the Witch House. So it was uh, it was derived from that. But um, they got together with Brian Usna and John Penny. The, Brian Usna is a producer of re and the co-writer of Honey, I Shrunk Kids. And John Penny did Return of the Living Dead series. Uh, and th- those guys were working with them to help bring this to life. And... Uh, I, yeah, it was it was a very interesting um experience to say the least, that's for sure.
3: Now, how about for you? Have you ever experienced the fourth dimension, so to speak?
25: Uh the Fifth.
3: <laughs> <laughs> really? Nothing? You can't tell us?
25: Well no, I mean since I've done this movie it's it's pretty funny though. I've had uh some weird dreams that I thought were reality. Like when I wake up, I'm like, "Oh gosh, is is like doing these movies like affecting me?" <laughs> <laughs> I really have thought that before. I'm like, "Hmm." Or uh, let's see, chanting in Latin, sitting there in a um in the middle of a pentagram up in a attic of an actual haunted house. Um, that was a pretty interesting moment. I'm like, what am I reading here? Am I going to be cursed when this is all said and done with? (laughs) Um, You know, but I I asked him, and he said, he's like, no, we mashed up a bunch of these Latin words, so, like, none of this actually means anything. We don't want you to really actually be conjuring up anything.
3: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So um, when you were aspiring... Uh, as a uh, an actress, did they tell you to keep the twang, that charming, I think, charming Southern twang, or did you have to speak more properly?
25: Um, they didn't really say with that one. I have like with other films before, had to keep the Southern twang because, like, was it Seller Secret? We were supposed to be, uh, I was supposed to be um, a Southern girl, so that made that really easy. But um, I mean, I can it can come and go but there's certain words that I just say that I don't I don't know if there's any hiding it it just stuck around even though I moved to Illinois in 98 my mom says I sound like a yankee but then everybody else still says I sound like a southerner so
3: I don't know <laughs> so for you what what is your go-to place when you have to look like you have sheer terror um
25: Let's see, my my go-to place was sheer terror, Uh, I just think of other things, um, I think, that have, that would frighten me um, for real, in real life, Um, like, I know this is silly, but I I absolutely hate thunderstorms or things like that, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and there's other movies or other things like that or situations that I can... Just kind of put my myself there. Um, I don't know, there's no one real thing to pinpoint, but just think of something that would like terrify you like something were to happen to my kids, or if something were to you know, and, it, and sometimes it's really awful to have to put yourself in certain places, especially like an emotional role that's really hard to come out of. I remember when Aaron Trimble and I were doing this one scene in the hallway, like, uh, I, I faint in the, in the college classroom, and, um, they dragged me out, and I'm, like, crying, and that, that scene was shortened, really, and, um, we had a lot of extras that day, and they were off sitting there in the, in the hallway being real quiet, in between takes, and, like, I had to sit there and get in my mode, and, to get that out, like, I really have to put myself there sometimes, and I did that today, and, I think everybody in the room around us was crying too. We like literally brought out like the emotions of everybody else in the room. So that was, that was kind of a pretty, kind of cool instance where, you know, I didn't realize how real it was for Mm -hmm. everybody else around when, when we, when we were doing that. So, um, same thing for, for fear as for crying or any emotion like that. You just really, some people can just, act to do it and I don't know how they do it but I gotta put myself there
3: oh it's very interesting very evocative last question for you and that is if you just have like three to five minutes of this movie to show someone do you have a favorite part
25: um, for me specifically without giving anything away uh, I could say candelabra <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's just the part with the candelabra
25: Where I I beat someone in the head with it. I won't say, because I don't want (laughs)
3: to
25: give that away. And then I kind of stab them to death. Like, I don't know. Like, something about that. Getting to take your aggression out on You know what I was was stabbing there was a watermelon. Uh, (laughs) Oh. That was actually a lot of fun. Wow. I didn't watch that! Like that's just like the absolute psychotic rage. But no, there's, I mean, there's a lot of good, good parts in it. I mean, um, you know, spoiler alert: where guy cuts off his own head.
3: Oh! Know? Now we don't need to see it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we'll look forward to that. Though the abuse of watermelons and the guy cutting off his own head, all of these things are just scraping the surface of the fascinating. Movie entitled H.P. Lovecraft's Witch House and uh, coming soon. And we've been speaking to the lead actress Michelle Morris slash Portia Shellin. Portia, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it.
25: Thanks for having me. I appreciate
3: it. All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tudel. We will take a quick break and uh, on the other side, lines are available at 1 800 878 play. Come on back.
1: That's 800-298-9093.
7: his servants
3: <laughs> all right thank you for that welcome back to the show let's go to chris in oakland who's called 1-800-878-PLAY how's it going man
18: and i was somehow I was able to actually uh, with my oakland public school education i was actually able to get through man i figured out how to well how to, i'm, uh, I'm that a product of this. the
3: richmond unified school district
18: well there you go there you go but you had a good catholic school education though so well you just i mean i
3: was i was k through eight i was public school
18: I didn't know. Wow, you know, I learn something new every 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 day, man. And mm. you're so you have such eclectic guests on there, man. The last one, I'd freak, I was getting scared just listening to her, man. That's that's uh-huh. that stuff freaks me out, man. Those horror films, I never. Sure. I know you're a big film guy, but I can't I can't get into horror films. I I watch Salem's Lot. My dad made me watch. We used to watch. They had a show called Creature Features. Love it on Friday night and uh, on Channel Two. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, my dad made me watch it, and I would just
3: I they know. just recently did a documentary about that, and I went. And met Jan Wall up in Sonoma a few months ago, and we watched the debut of that documentary, Bob Wilkins.
18: Wow! Well, and, he, and he and he used to do it. The, the, what's the gentleman's name? The, the guy that used Bob to Wilkins, right? So Bob Wilkins, his brother I think is a teacher in the Oakland school district, and my nephew had him. And then, um, and then Bob Wilkins used to run this after-school program called not not I mean it's called Captain Cosmic, where they showed like yeah. you know mm-hmm. Japanese Godzilla. Remember it showed far.
3: him at MacArthur Bart running faster than the train.
18: That's right. That's right. Oh man, that's good. That's good. Uh, ESPN knowledge there. Hey, yeah. um, but I didn't call. That's so how I called. Two things. Uh, number one, I I missed the first part of your show, so I'm assuming you talked to Kevin Durant. Is it? Is it popular no. with the Warriors? No, your,
3: I, that that no, I didn't talk about that. That's not going to happen. Though.
18: Would you? <laughs> so my friends and we're all you know in our late. Forties, early fifties, and all grew up in Oakland. We were texting each other all weekend about this, and half the guys were like, "We don't want to screw up a good thing we got." But I'm, I'm of the mind we got a short window with Clay and Steph and Dre and, man, if we could get, because you know, if we can get Kevin back, I, I, want him. But so I'm on record for that. But uh, yeah, that'd be well. Pretty I mean, hard and obviously it, the fall be big.
3: Well, you'd have to, you'd have to trade Kaminga and Poole and 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 Wiseman, and then the KD's whole thing is that he wants to prove that he can win. So it would be, you know, it was already, oh, you couldn't beat him, you couldn't join him. And to me, it would be such a white flag on his career, and he's such a competitor. I, I think you would have to drag him kicking and screaming back to the Warriors. If, if you ask the Warriors, hey, would you like to have KD? Of course they'd like to have KD. He's Kevin Durant for Pete's sake. He's first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, but there's no way KD would come here.
18: And I hear everything you're saying, acknowledging that, However, Katie, you know, there's been a lot of rumors this weekend about this, and Katie wasn't throwing up his, oh, hell no, I'm not going back to hell. No, and we would, it no, it's leverage. Like to join us. It's he leverage. Would, what's
3: that? It's leverage. He can't say no. It's leverage.
18: Okay, fair enough. But I I also say that, you know, he's he listed his other six teams he wants to go to, and, well, I guess, you know, but I just, I don't know. I, I could, you know, I, I get everything you're saying, but this one wouldn't be where he'd elect to go. He'd be traded and you know and he could say what well, and he could like and that would be his cover is like hey i got traded what i got to do man i'm trying to just play okay all right first thing i've got that's the first thing second thing was on the Brittany griner um case
11: mm-hmm.
18: um it's hor you know if this you know as as the uh, alleged allegations go you know she was caught with some not even full on cannabis but like basic cannabis canisters in it, the russian airport and in my opinion this is obviously political and you know, I think mean that that wouldn't even been, you know, canisters. Of can- Rick, you and I could walk into the court with cannabis canisters in, in, in Oak, Oakland. No one's I mean, We're not doing a day in jail for this, right? Yeah. So she's there four months. They're saying that it's a 99% conviction rate. She'll probably be convicted. She can look up to 10 years in prison, which mm. would be asinine. But, you know, I just the thing about this case is kind of weird or not weird, but it's just, you know, She's an American. We want her back home. And I think people are saying because she's an African-American woman, happens to be lesbian, that there's not a lot of interest in this. or there's not. And I don't agree with that. I think a lot of the country's not because she was basically very vocal anti-U.S., made a lot of anti-U.S. comments. And, of course, I want her home and all this other stuff. But, you know, it's like if Megan Rapinoe, if she got caught overseas, do you think half of the United States would be jumping up and down to try to get her back? I think, I think when, when athletes and public figures make statements disparaging the government, there's a lot of people that just don't care. It's like okay, this you know, you asked for it, so this is what you get. So it's kind of a vocal topic day to for Fourth of July, but Well
3: what there's there's two things there. Number one, I agree with you, people care more about Megan Rapino, there's no doubt. Uh, by the way, uh, no, from, I said
18: they, no, I said they wouldn't care about her. I said I would. I would if she made rap. You know, or I've said her name wrong, but if she got caught because she's made such anti-U.S. comments, oh. even though she's on the U.S. national team, I think a lot of people would be like, screw her. Oh, so
3: oh, oh okay, all right. Well, the thing is, is that I don't think it's political. I think that you know, it's. I mean, maybe it is because of the because of the war in Ukraine and all the different. Um, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of where you, uh, you know, boycotts and, and everything yeah. have taken away the, the penalties against Russia, maybe. But the, this is this is the one thing that Americans always get themselves in trouble is that we always think that the rest of the world is America and they have strict, strict laws. So you're right here having some weed oil or whatever it was, big deal. But these communist countries or former communist countries they have strict, strict Anti-drug laws, and this is why you know you end up with like Midnight Express and Turkey and all these other things. And so I think, as Americans, we think, "What's the big deal?" Well, the big deal is it's a sovereign state, and they can have their draconian laws uh, if they want them.
18: And and what I'm saying is, if she had been somebody who was like pro, you know, not speaking negatively against, you know, doing the George Floyd stuff, she made a lot of negative comments about the U.S. government against our former president. And that's fine. That's the great thing about America. We celebrated yesterday, right? You could say whatever you want about our, our leaders. That's fine. But I think if she had been more endearing to the general public, or I'm sorry, scratch that. If she had been more endearing to the government, the U.S. government, and i like been pro, you know, or not even said anything. If she hadn't said anything, I think there'd be a lot more support to try to get her out. Now, what I'm hearing is that, and I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I had a case once where the guy got caught with 50 pounds of weed and you know, shipping it over across state lines, he only did two months in jail. So this is way more draconian, And I get you what you are saying, but the fact that you know that the Russians want some like high high level um, you know arms dealer mm-hmm. in, a, in a trade, like it's like out of a spy movie or something, is right. crazy. So <clears throat> well, I think
3: I, I think she got arrested. Um, I don't even think the Russians even knew who she was. Uh, and then when people started moaning and groaning, "Hey, she's American," and then they started thinking, "Oh." So she's famous. Maybe we can trade her for somebody for this arms dealer. Yeah, yeah. That took us forever to get him. But yeah, of course, it's not a cause celeb when it's somebody that uh, you know. Obviously, if this was you know Ivanka Trump or something, people (laughs) be like, oh, you gotta let her go. Or if this was Britney Spears, I mean, people were crying over the fact that her dad was controlling her money. Like, I give a damn. You know, and people. He brought the country together,
11: Rick. People Brady
3: brought the country together. <laughs> people just—I mean, they care about what happens in a Johnny Depp trial. I wouldn't watch. I have no idea what happened in that trial because I don't care about either. I never even heard of his wife. And but people, I agree, I agree. people get so gripped by celebrity um, that she is unfortunately paying for the laws in a backwards-ass giant country, who right now the whole world hates. So it's a bad spot to be in.
18: Right. No, I, I agreed, and it just, you know, I just I wanted your take on it because you always have very eclectic takes about stuff, and I just thought, you know, I, uh, you know, it's horrible what they're doing. the fact, she's like stuck there, and, you know, but I think people are making, uh, you know. What I'm hearing is that other, you know, that that because she's a, happens to be a, an African American lesbian, that people don't care, and I disagree.
3: I, I, yeah, but I think especially with a Democratic president, this—if you and I were arrested there for that, yeah, we <laughs> no one would care. <laughs> but the fact is that it is an African American lesbian. I think that actually helps her because and you, I, I, you, I would,
11: and especially with our president, yeah, also, yeah, you
3: want to be, you, know, you want to look to someone like ah, it's not just some you know dumb no, white guy in his fifties. Yeah, yeah he, that's yeah. what he gets. <laughs> You know, we'll see if it helps her or not. I mean, so far it hasn't helped her. She's still there. But I mean, I think people always want to look like, "Oh, look at me. I'm I'm helping, you know, someone who's yeah. also not white, you know, which is right. lame. You should just help everybody." But yeah, I don't I don't think I don't think that there's anyone. I mean, yeah, there might be somebody in the State Department who says, "Who cares? We got bigger fish to fry." And 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 in a way I understand that. I mean, she was dumb enough to go through customs with that. I had a friend who went through when I was in Europe? He went through customs with this cow skull that we found in Greece, <laughs> and he put weed in it. And he has been—he uh, can never go back to the United Kingdom for the rest of his life. Wow. He's been kicked out for life. And wow. and, and he thought, well, if I put it in the in the skull. I thought I'd be able to get it through. I mean, there are some dumb people out there,
18: like the old uh, Saturday Night Live skit where you put your weed in it. Yeah, you put wow. your weed you put
3: in it. it, Rob Schneider. Yeah, yeah, yeah
18: Horatio Sanz. Oh, it was Rob Schneider, sorry, not yeah. Horatio Sansa. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I just—it'll be interesting to see if when Brittany gets home, Brittany Griner. I mean, if she's more pro-American and she doesn't know me, and it doesn't matter, and who cares? But I'm just—it's yeah. it, interesting to see people that hate, you know, or, or profess to not like our country, but then if they were at to deal with other stuff in other countries, and then see their perspective change, or maybe not. I mean, you know, hopefully. Well,
3: especially to where way. where we grew up, and I I grew up yeah. uh, pa- a patriotic, and people used to always. Right tease me i remember when i went to east germany um with a friend who talked about how america was a police state and the beautiful people of east germany and communism <laughs> But communism was a
11: checkpoint charlie this guy was saying that I'll yeah he was just
3: gotcha. p- p- you know beautiful um well, this is before but he said the beautiful idea of communism and of course he ray was raised the silver spoon in his mouth in, in berkeley sure yeah. and <laughs> as soon as we got shaken down And our our rail passes taken away, and we had to come up with 50 marks each. He said, "I'm we're coming back here with our tanks," and I'm like, "Wait a minute, you're the I thought you hated America. Now you want to come back? You want to come back with our tanks?"
21: Yeah,
18: I love it. That's, you know what? Hey man, I I'm not I'm not to the point where hey, America love it or leave it, you know, like the they did in the 50s, but no. Tell about an immigrant from Syria and there there's a lot of nonsense going on over
11: there. So, uh, yeah. I don't know,
18: maybe Yeah, I I, I
3: I don't care if anybody loves America or not. You can stay here and hate it all you want. That's what that's what I love about this place. You don't have to kiss its butt. That's one of the best things about it.
18: Last thing, man, so I met a Danish guy today, I know you're your part Danish, and mm-hmm. he, it was amazing how they was talking about the, the, the murders over the weekend in Copenhagen, and yeah. it's like, unheard of in that country. So. Well, I mean, I, I, always,
3: I always would say I'm moving to Denmark, and I can't even say that anymore. Yeah, yeah. all
18: right. Well, I'll go to the game tonight. we be 3,000 fans out there. Uh, let's go A's, beat the, uh, beat the Blue Jays.
3: Playing the Blue Jays, huh? All right. Hey, <laughs> thanks for the call, Chris. Thanks, Rick. All right, yeah, and as I said, this is the first time in my life I really I don't even know who the A's are playing. And you could say, oh, you're a Fairweather fan. To me, a Fairweather fan is when somebody, um, uh, you you could say it's you only go when they're winning, which is kind of true. But to me, a Fairweather fan switches to a good team. Like, the one thing that used to kill me is like, how can you root for that team? They always lose, like the Raiders. How can you root for that team? Oh, so you, you only root for teams that win? How can you root for that thing? Oh, that's the thing that killed me. So if your team starts losing, you stop rooting for them. How can you root for them? All right, I got to take a break. <laughs> I'm killing myself here. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back. I'm violent.
11: Who's watching? Tell me who's watching? Who's watching me?
1: That's 800-760-1845. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more.
0: Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can not publish them anywhere.
1: 800-754-4531. 800-754-4531, That's 800-754-4531.
22: Come on, you watch the news. Be prepared to pay more taxes. Then, if you owe back taxes or haven't filed in a few years, get ready. The IRS, the largest collection agency in the world, will be coming after you. In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than 1000 If you owe the IRS 5000 or more in back taxes, call now for a free consultation. Call 800-732-9635, 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635.
1: That's 800-732-9635.
22: Sometimes when I'm driving on the road at night, I see two headlights coming toward me. I have this sudden impulse to turn the wheel quickly,
2: head on into the oncoming car. I can anticipate the explosion, the sound of shattering glass, the flames rising out of the flowing gasoline.
21: Right. Well, I have to, I have to go now, Dwayne, because I, I'm due back on the planet Earth.
7: Tittle ain't the man, but Rick Tittle know who the man is, and he slapped his white fanny.
3: All right, Greerzy, he's officially in. Well, number 25 with the Sharkies, three years here. Uh, Greerzy was a good guy to to hang out with. Um, He's a tough guy. He played 14 NHL seasons. Uh, I remember my friends used to be like, oh, I love that guy. I'm like, all Greer does is just kind of dump it forward. (laughs) I never thought he was that great. But he is the new general manager, the first black general manager in NHL history. Now, remember, when I was in college, the only black guy in the entire NHL was Grant Fuhrer, who was a goalkeeper. And to me, he looked Eastern European. And there my friend was like, he's black. I'm like, isn't that black? Now, of course, you can't even discuss that now without sounding horrible. But to me, he looked like he was Hungarian. So you think about how far we've come in the last few decades. But uh, Mike Rear played with the Oilers and the Capitals and the Sabres and the Sharkies and then retired in uh, 2011. Um, He has uh, spent the last couple of years as the Rangers hockey operations advisor. Of course, the Rangers did really well last year. He was a scout for the Blackhawks for four years. As I mentioned, his brother, Chris, is the Miami Dolphins general manager. But Doug Wilson had the helm for 18 years. And um, he has been told, has Greerzy, that he will have full autonomy on who he hires as the next head coach, now that Bob Bugner uh, got the axe. So the last time the Sharks were in the playoffs was 2019, and we lost in the West, uh, Western Championship to the Blues, and that one still hurts. So best of luck to uh, Greerzy, who's now at the helm of the Sharkies. I'm Rick Tittle. We will see you tomorrow at 9 a.m. peck time.